Hey there, and welcome to the podcast of Real Life Spokane. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We hope this podcast encourages you and points you closer to Jesus. Let's jump in. A tithe is a tenth. It's 10% of whatever money you make. Whatever it is that comes into your bank account, the biblical principle is 10% of that We, as a people of God, return to God this first 10%. There's an old uh, famous preacher. He's older. I shouldn't say old. He's older. uh, Tony Evans. He's awesome. He says, any discussion of economics that does not include God is a travesty. Economics, finances, money, that does not include God is a travesty because he is the author of all wealth. God owns it all. As the psalmist, Psalm 24, 11 says, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Listen to this. Dr. Evans says, communism, hot topic, teaches that the government owns everything. Capitalism teaches that the individual owns everything. Christianity, on the other hand, teaches that God owns everything. The political climate, the the economic struggles that all of us are feeling and seeing and understanding that have opinions about all of that, communism, capitalism, whatever you want to go on and on about. Christianity, Jesus' people have always lived differently. No matter the political climate, the government that they have, that we have always understood that God owns it all. And for many of us, maybe we've just grown up and we've just assumed it is mine. I grew up in a capitalistic world and an economy that says you own it, you make it, you deserve it, you spend it however you want to spend it. We have a different understanding as Jesus' people. And this is a historical perspective. This is a biblical perspective. And I recognize that not a lot of us have that perspective because we are very American. We are very maybe new to Scripture, new to God's teaching and leadership. And so I want to come at this conversation today with this. God built freedom into our money relationship with him. It's this thing called a tithe. A tithe is a tool, an opportunity for you to sever the cord of the love of money in your heart every time you get a paycheck. See, I believe God gave you money to grow you spiritually. God is most concerned about your soul. And so when he gives us a tool like money, money's not a bad thing, it's a tool. It can be a trap. We talked about that last week in this conversation about contentment being the key to freedom from the love of money. But, but it's also this understanding that, wow, God, if you really have given me this opportunity to tie, to sever the cords, to break the chains uh, of slavery to the love of money in my life, then God, I need some help in this. See, this freedom that God has given us requires faith. Faith requires action. A solid belief that God is our provider is the foundation of this conversation, that he owns it all, that he knows what you need, that he will take care of us, and faith calls us to to believe beyond what we can control. It's a difficult thing to think of the first 10% of your income just setting aside for the purpose of God giving it to your local church and saying, this is the team, the family that I'm a part of. I'm all in with these people, with what God is doing here. This is a very faith-filled action that you and I have an opportunity to be invited into. Proverbs 3, I love this promise that Solomon gives to his son, to those that would listen. This is wisdom. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor. 
That means obey, do what he wants you to do with it. With the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I think that this promise of blessing should be enough for most of us. But the problem, because we have grown up in such a capitalistic culture, is that we think we are the the determiners of our future, and we are the the blessers of this life. And you have a lot of control over that. You have the ability to go make money, to get educated, to, to use your skills and get them better so that you can. And all that is awesome. But fundamentally, below the surface of all of this, God has a part to play. And when you and I acknowledge that God owns it all and and that we are in obedience to his leadership, he has an opportunity to pour out blessing, to fill our barns with grain. Oh, I wish I had a barn, don't you? Uh, Fill our vats overflowing with good wine, with new wine. This is the blessing of God, and that should be a promise that motivates most of us, but unfortunately, many of us still struggle with this conversation. So I want to show you a little bit in Scripture. We'll get to Malachi 3 in a second, but I I just want to show you this idea of a tithe through Scripture, a little bit of an Old Testament survey. Any Bible school kids in the room? No, just me. All right, let's go. Uh, Genesis 4. This is an amazing picture. Adam and Eve have been created. Now their sons have been born. This is like the very beginning of human creation. And it says, in the course of time, Cain, this is one of Adam and Eve's sons, brought, listen to this, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Abel, his brother, also brought an offering. But what kind of an offering did he bring? The fat portions. Just think bacon, right? Like, like the good stuff, right? He brought fat portions and uh, from some of the, what, the first born of his flock. This has always been the principle. We honor God when we give him the first and the best. This principle was established right here in Genesis chapter 4. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. You blessed him. You like him. You don't like me. What's the deal? His face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. There's this warning built into this. If you do things my way, you will find favor. You will be blessed. But if you do things your way, watch out. Sin is crouching and it wants to own you and, and, and it's about to devour you. You need to be on guard. There's this, there's this warning and this sense of understanding like from the very beginning that God has a way that he does things and that he is inviting us to understand. You fast forward into Leviticus 27, because you read this all the time. I know you do. Leviticus, I'm just kidding. It's one of those books in the Bible that it's really tough to get through. But Leviticus 27, God is actually now making a covenant with his people. Covenant is different than contract. God is saying, this is who I am. I am the God of love, of blessing, of favor, of promise. If you will be my people, then I will bless you, protect you. But if you don't, then you will be cursed. You will be separated. You will struggle in this life. But I want you to be a part of this relationship. It's a covenant is what God invites his people into. And here he establishes what a tithe is, 2730. He says, a tithe 
of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, listen, belongs to the Lord. Doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. He says, it is holy, set apart, sacred to the Lord. How easy is it for us to, to miss this built-in principle to, to finances? That, that, that the love of money just lures us, like this desire for more, to have enough, to have more than enough, to have it the way we want it to go. And, and it just draws our hearts in that, that this idea that God actually requires this 10%, this tithe belongs to him. For us to take it and do what we want with it, we are taking the sacred thing that God has established and we are, we are profaning it. We are making light of it, little of that. We are actually walking away from a covenant, a relationship with God and damaging that, that opportunity to be under his blessing, under his promise. In Nehemiah chapter 10, I was just reading this last month and just this picture where God's people have broken covenant. They've walked away, they've drifted off, they've been deported. They got taken captive to a distant land, and now people are starting to come back, and Nehemiah particularly comes back on a mission to rebuild the walls around the city of God's people because they've been destroyed, and God's people are in dismay and in disgrace. They have no, like, honor. They have no, like, ability to really uh, have a sense of identity, and so Nehemiah comes with this passion to rebuild the wall. Ezra starts reading the book of the law after the walls are rebuilt and the people are coming and recentering their hearts on the promise of being in relationship with God. And listen to what happens as they're restoring verse 39 of chapter 10. The people of Israel, including the Levites, the pastors, these guys were off base as well. They are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine and olive oil to the storerooms. Bring them to God's house where the articles for the sanctuary and the ministering priests, the gatekeepers and the musicians are also kept. Listen to this. This is what the people said. We will not neglect the house of our God. They recognized that, man, we have been disconnected doing things our way, and we have been neglecting the house, the mission, the purpose of God. God doesn't need our money, but he allows us to feel the weight of what it's like to be in covenant relationship with him. He has his part and we have our part. And finances and money is an opportunity for God to really test our hearts and go, do I really have your heart and your devotion? Do I really understand, do I really have who you are at the core of you or are you doing your own thing? Calling yourself a Christian, kind of keeping this facade up, but at the heart, you're distant, you're disconnected, and these people recognize, wow, we, we've been Jews, we've been Israelites, we've been God's people in name, but not in heart. We will not neglect the house of our God. So let's get to Malachi 3. You still with me? You got your finger in the Bible? Malachi 3, look at verse 7. This is um, a prophet, Malachi. Um, best way to describe a prophet in the Old Testament would be, uh, um, he's like a marriage counselor between God and his people. <laughs> they drift off and, and they get all crazy and then like here's one going, hey, like they call him a covenant mediator. Come back to the promise that you made. Don't drift off. Don't get all crazy and arrogant and, and self-centered. Stay focused on what God has called you to. Verse 7, ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return. There it is. Return to me, 
and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? God answers with a question. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? He says, in tithes and offerings. Think of this, rob, thieving. God owns it. It belongs to the Lord. We're doing what we want with it. God views it as us stealing. In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruits, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Then you go forward into the book of Matthew. Jesus has now appeared on the scene. He is God in the flesh walking among us. And the people of God have become a religious people. They got the the city back. They got the walls back. They got the laws back. And and their hearts somehow have gotten disconnected from God. And Jesus is trying to reconnect the really religious people to the heart of God. Some of you in the room, you've tithed faithfully. And in fact, it's almost more of a box that you check. It's like a a religious motion that you go through um, because you should. And some of us have gotten trapped in this religiosity. Jesus comes to these guys that are called Pharisees. uh, Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. He comes to them gently, you hypocrites. You give a tenth. You give 10% of your spices. Your mint, your dill, and your cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, like justice, matters of the heart, mercy, faithfulness. Jesus says you should have practiced the latter, like these matters of the heart, without neglecting the former, these practical matters of tithing. And I think that's so important for us to see this, that, that, that in Jesus we see this picture of kind of the whole deal, like the Old Testament is God and laws and rules and ah, do I want, I, I love Jesus. He's like grace and compassion and mercy and kindness and all these things and, and, and Jesus brings it all together. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He, he doesn't like wipe the law away or kick it out, out, out in the street. No, no, Jesus is like, no, this is what it looks like to live God's way with God's heart. And that's what he wants for us. So when we talk about being free from the love of money, I want you to just understand this. I just gave you a whole survey, whole Old Testament. You good? You, you still with me on this? You tracking? Yes. Thank you, Kurt. Anybody else? You good? Yes. Okay. We, we look through it all, and, and I just see this consistently throughout Scripture here, that, that there's always this action called a tithe. It's an actual practical step that you and I are called to take. For you and I to walk in freedom, free from the love of money, it requires faith. It's not just like this this good idea that you should do, but there is a real, deep, abiding sense of trust. God, you are in control. You know what's best. You are the provider. You own everything. You know what's best for this life. You see me. You love me. You care about me. You're not going to just like forget about me and not take care of my family and take care of Uh, all the things, obligations, all this stuff, God, you know and you care. And for you and I to walk into this freedom, free from the love of money, requires a step of faith. That's a tithe. 
And it's every paycheck. It's every time we get income. There's an opportunity once again to sever the cord of the love of money in our lives and say, no, God is my provider. God is the one I trust. God is the leader of this life. God is the one that is going to provide. He is the one that owns everything. It is a test. It is an opportunity for us to say, hey, I'm literally going to put my money where my mouth is. I was telling our new group that we just started this last week about this, about me. Like, I, I grew up religious. I grew up in church. I grew up around great ideas. What was so important for me as I began to lead in Jesus' church was understanding that as Jesus' leader, there's this level of accountability that, man, I, I want to be integrous with this whole thing that God calls us to. Perfect? No, but doing everything I know to do to be the man that God would call me to be, that I would call any one of us to be. And, and I think for me, when it comes to this tie, this is opportunity over and over to, to just be like somebody who's about that action, who's about taking those steps, who's not just talking in religious circles, but actually lives this life. Man, it doesn't get any more personal than your money. And I know that's why you're quiet and pin drop and all that stuff, right? But, but this is God's stuff. This is his word. This is his leadership of our lives. So let's go back to Malachi 3 a second. Uh, verse 10. Look at this with me for a second. It says uh, here, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. I want you to get this principle here, that there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this. Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Only time in scripture God says, test me. Every other test, when, when you and I test God, we're like, God, give me a sign, it's viewed as a lack of faith. But here when he's talking about our finances, he's like, all right, just try me. See if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. See if I won't do something supernatural in your life. See if I won't demonstrate my faithfulness. Here's, here's what tithing is. It is a test for God to demonstrate his faithfulness in your life. And it's got to be a very personal thing, not, not just a corporate thing. It's got to be something between you and God because God has to be your God and your provider and, and, and the one who leads your life. As a disciple of Jesus, we are, we are very personally connected to our relationship with God. It's not just like a thing that we're a part of. It is a, is a God that we know and a person that we follow in Jesus Christ. It is a spirit, uh, his spirit inside of us, leading us, compelling us. And so here's my, here's my desire for you is for you to actually take God up on this test and experience the faithfulness of God in your own life. Man, not my story, your story. That you would experience God's goodness, his provision in miraculous ways where you and your spouse, you look each other in the eye and you know this was God. There is no other explanation. It's not us kind of figuring our thing out and doing our thing, but it's clearly God providing in a way that only God could. You need those stories because those stories became, become anchors in your soul. When the economy goes sideways like it is right now, or when, when you're overwhelmed by all the things that are crashing on your life and, and, and you're not sure where the next thing is going to come from and how much it's going to cost and where it's all going to go, just to steady your soul in the midst of that storm and say, no, God is faithful. Man, that can't be just a preacher on a stage to you. That's got to be you preaching to yourself based off the experience that you have. And that's why God is so passionate. See if I won't do it. See if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. 
Watch what will happen in your life if you would trust me to be your provider, to walk you to the purpose and the provision that I have. God has something in mind for your life and your story that is much bigger than anything you could dream up. And for you and I to settle our hearts in his provision is to say, God, you're in control of this life. You are going to order these steps. And I don't know what the future holds, but I'm trusting that if I'm obedient today, you are going to take care of tomorrow. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough troubles of its own. That's what the world does. They worry about everything else. I want you to just do today and do it really well. Do it in obedience. Do it and faithfulness, test God in this. I think about 2022 as an opportunity for you and I to go, hey, let's, let's test God financially this year. Let's not just, just go into another year and just kind of get rolling. My wife and I were having this conversation yesterday. It's so easy for life just to happen and not to actually go, wait a minute, what are we, what are we about right now? What are we doing and where are we going and what is the life that God is calling us to and, and, and paving for our lives and, and actually dreaming with God's eyes and his vision and his desires. Doing, doing your taxes at the end of the year, you know, here in January, it's like a chance to look back and you go, man, we gave all of that. And just kind of a solemn moment to go, wow, I don't know how much how God did that, how that much money went to the Lord's work, but he has been faithful. And then it's it's like a sacred moment to go, wow, this year, 2022, God, what might you do this year as I learn to tithe? It's a test. It's a test for God. He says, test me on it. See if I won't. But it's also a test for you, test of faith. Freedom requires faith. I was thinking about this for me personally. You know, my wife and I, we, when I was 18, I started tithing. It's easy to start tithing when you're 18 because you have no money. Right? It's like, yeah, sure, I'll give two bucks off of that 20 I just got. That's, that's, that's great. But, but I think when we came here as a church, we planted this thing. There was just like 12 of us that started in a small group. Real life had started in 98 over there, and it was like this huge 8,000, 9,000 person church that sent us over here to start this one. And there's all this expectation of that big, massive church gonna just like come in here and it's just gonna be awesome instantly. They didn't know me at that point, right? Just all my shortcomings and all of my fears and all of that. But God did so much miraculous work. I think about the moment when we were 18 months old as a church, we were a year and a half old to buy this building. We were losing our opportunity at the school and our elder team came together, brand new elder team going, I think God wants us to buy that building. It's a moment of faith for us. Literally our monthly payment was going to go quadruple from what it was. Like 3,800 bucks a month to over like 17 grand a month. Just think of that. That's our monthly obligation. We're like, God, I don't don't know how you're going to do this. I remember right after we got in here and all the growth that God was doing was so awesome, but there was this conviction in our souls as a leadership team going, man, if we're calling everybody else to tithe, we as a church need to be tithing, giving 10% of everything that comes in here straight back out the doors to other opportunities, to church planning, to, to one heart, to these opportunities to take care of people's electric bills and rent payments. We, we just tried to be a blessing. And God, would you, would you show us what that looks like? I remember as an elder team, we're like, well, maybe if we start with 2%, you know, it was like not 10, it was two. And it was like, 
uh, it was like this muscle in our way through it. And then God just conviction just again, like, guys, it's 10. And I remember just this, this experience was just like overwhelming to watch. As we took that step of faith, it didn't make sense. We were spending every dollar that came in just because that's how we operate as a budget. Set one for the year, but then trusting that God's going to just provide that income. We don't have income promised somewhere. 100% of what we do is provided by the tithes of God's people here. And so, so just as God brought that money in, just watching that tithe go back out and that opportunity just be faithful to God and watching all the other signs of financial health start to increase around here in a miraculous way. And I remember just my heart just being so taut in that moment. God is faithful. I think about that test for me, the test it is for you to go, I'm going to tithe this year. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says to the church, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's a principle. You put a few seeds in the ground, you get a few plants. Put a lot of seeds in the ground, you get a lot of plants. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, I love this, God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, Jesus Church was designed to be a blessing to the city that it's in, to the people that are around us. And you and I understanding that this is a test for us. This is an opportunity for us to look at 2022 as a challenge to go, God, I'm going to trust you to be my provider. And I'm going to trust that you are going to get the finances through this family, to your church, into this city, into this work, to see more lives change, to see more Sebastians transformed this way, right? That, that we understand that there is an opportunity ahead of us, not to just live for ourselves, but to sever the cord of the love of money in our lives and make a decision to say, God, this year is going to be your year. This is going to be about your people and your city being radically changed through your church, God. We are committed to being your people. Tithing is this test for you and I to go, man, am I going to be obedient? Am I going to walk in freedom? Not under compulsion. You're not going to trade the old selfish nature for now a new religious kind of motion duty that you have to do, but you're going to purify your desires and your motives and say, God, I'm trusting that you are my provider, and this is a way I honor you, God, with these finances. It's a test of, of, of us going, hey, am I going to give cheerfully? Am I going to give with a heart that recognizes, God, you, you are able to bless abundantly, and I don't got to fear that you are my provider. You are the one that blesses. You are my protection. At the end of Malachi 3, he says, man, the, the, for the fruit of your field, it won't fall off. There would be plagues or, or, or kind of blights that would get in the crops, right? There are these, the sense of like, you do all this work, and then it just falls apart. He called that the devourer in Malachi 3. I will protect you from the devourer. That feeling that you never have enough, I'll protect you from that. I will protect you from whatever happens in this economy, however this world goes. You, you don't got to put your hope in this government or in this world. Put your hope in God. 
and trust his provision and his leadership in your life. And this just anchors our soul as a place of strength, no matter the storms that swirl around us financially. God, I can trust you. See, freedom requires faith. And this is a step of faith. Faith requires action. So that's what, I got you that card. It's a card for you and your family. It's not for us. It says Real Life Spokane on the back, and then on the front is just some commitments financially. It's for you. It's not for us. It's for you and God. You and your spouse to talk through and go, what does 22 look like financially for us? What are we committed to? God first, his kingdom above all. I know you probably got a lot of other financial things that you're thinking about and dreams and goals and all that stuff is awesome. But what I'm asking you to do is to put your faith first and foremost in God and his provision, his leadership in your life and to settle your heart that he is our provider. A tithe is that statement every time. I encourage you on this. Some people want to give to lots of other places. Scripture has been clear. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This is where we start. There's other opportunities above and beyond that tithe to be generous. When we do the back to school event for kids at One Heart or when we did the Thanksgiving meals or maybe you see a family in need in your connect group and you just want to bring them a meal. These are those over and above moments that I love that God, I love that promise in 2 Corinthians 9 that, that God will give you all that you need so that in those moments you will be abundantly provided for. You'll have that opportunity to do those good moments as you walk in obedience this way to God's leading. So I challenge you on that. I'm not tithing all over the place. We're tithing as part of this team, this church that God has called us to be. Over and above that, we have so much opportunity to be a blessing and to share that abundance, that overflowing with those around us. So that card, you should look at it. Maybe it's beginning. Maybe it's taking a step forward as you tithe, giving over and above a tithe. It's a moment for you to just pray. Put it in your Bible. Put it in your checkbook. Wherever you do your online banking for, for you to just be reminded, 2022, God, these finances are yours. I'm going to walk in the freedom that you've called me to walk in. I want to pray for you today. Would you pray with me, Lord? You see everyone in this room and all the different stories, God. You see the brokenness of our past. You see the hurt that we've experienced. God, I realize I just walked right into all kinds of things in our stories, and yet you are God over all of that. So I'm trusting you. Speak, to move, to call our hearts to a place of obedience, humility, faith, trusting God. You are our provider. I pray, God, that this would be a miraculous year in every family, that your provision, God, would be real, that the stories of your faithfulness, God, would just be tangible in our hearts and our lives, God, that there would be an explosion of provision, God, no matter the economy, no matter what's been happening in our world, God, that your church would be provided for, that your people, God, that are dedicated to you would walk as a blessed people, as a people who are light in the darkness, that are set apart, God, and clearly under a blessing, God, people that are clearly covered by you, protected by you, God. 
May your witness in this city grow through every single one of these families that are committing right now, God, to tithe. And I pray, God, that your kingdom would move far. A unified people, an obedient people. Oh, God, that souls would be saved, that the city would be changed, that churches would be planted, the hearts would be transformed, God, healed, made new, addictions broken. God, every one of these dollars that you're calling us to give, God, has so much opportunity for eternal impact, God, and we just, just humble ourselves right there today, God. Let's pray your courage and your grace over every single family here today. If you're in the room today and the freedom that we talk about is still not yours in Jesus, I just want to call you right now to a place of repentance before him. Repenting of leading your own life, just humbling yourself before him and asking him to be your savior and your God. That's why Sebastian was baptized or Ashlyn on the screen. They made that decision. I want to call you to make that decision right now. you stand with your, to your feet with me today? I would love to close us today in the service, and I'd love to close with an invitation. Come forward. Any prayer? Want to talk about baptism? That is your first step of obedience in relationship with Jesus. Want to talk about tithing? Want to talk about money? Whatever you want to talk about, whatever you need prayer about, love to pray with you. Our team, staff, elders, love to be up here and pray with you today. We love you a ton, real life. We are excited to get started here in February next week. We've got an amazing next conversation coming that I cannot wait to share with you. Get any uh, cards on your seat, any, any giving envelopes, drop all that stuff in the box as you leave today. We love you a ton. We will see you next Sunday. Come forward for, for prayer. Love you, beloved. Thanks so much for joining us on the Real Life Spokane podcast. We exist to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. And you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. We love you so much, and we'll see you next time.